to our... And I'm thankful that we have the privilege of looking at Scripture once again tonight. James chapter 5, verse number 12. Let's read it together here this evening. The Bible says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any, oath, uh, any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. I mentioned, I mentioned before numerous times that James was masterful in how he navigated Christianity in a very hostile world. Remember, he was pastoring a large church that was seeing multitudes of people come to know Christ as Savior in the very city that crucified the Savior. Think about that. <laughs> Think about, uh, about all the logistics and about all, that, all the grace and wisdom and the patience and faith that took to pastor a church, a large church that was hostily being attacked by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, men like Saul, who would, of course, get saved himself. But there was a lot of things going on in the church in Jerusalem. And the Bible teaches us that James was masterful in how he navigated the circumstances in Jerusalem. And as he learned and grew, even in his relationship with God, through his half-brother, Jesus Christ, whom of, course Jesus, whom, of course, James trusted as Savior, began to teach the church and began to teach the brethren about the importance of speech, how we talk, our tongue. We've looked at it before, and we're not going to rehash that ground. You can go back and listen to those messages but he spoke much about the power of the tongue, that it can be deadly or it can give life. And James truly addresses the importance of speaking truth, speaking in a life-giving way. James, in this chapter, almost right in the middle, almost, addresses the tongue one more time. He's not finished. He's going to address it in truth and singularity here. Think about this for just a moment. In James chapter 5, we began looking as James taught about ethical business practices with the unsaved and saved alike. And how the treatment of workers ought to be and even the treatment of employers ought to be from the workers. And he taught the importance of dealing and interacting in that secular environment in which we work and, of course, earn our wages. James continues with sympathy, as we looked at last week. Sympathy of those who have been burdened by an unjust or an unfair treatment, one might say in the workplace and the burden that comes. And of course, as we looked at, we can apply that to all of the rest of the book of James as well. And he addresses the burdens and how we are to be patient and how we are to continue in 
those burdens and to be patient as we see no god is going to take is 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 going to work he's going to see it through at the right time at the right circumstance god knows when all the pieces of the puzzle are to be fit together and he knows exactly the right time for every piece and as we think about the context look at the first phrase of verse number 12 with me once again notice what paul or what james says but above all above all things wait a minute james just talked about the unjust treatment of an unfair wage james just talked about a cruel workplace that took advantage of the poor to become richer off of the backs of the poor James just spoke about the burden and working through situations and circumstances like that with a great burden and with a great heart that is trying to follow Christ and yet burdened with situations that are going on around. And James says, above all things, above the unjust working practices, uh, above the unjust treatment that one is receiving because of cruel business owners, above the burdens in which one is bearing, above all those things, James says there is something that rises above those circumstances. There's something that rises above those situations in life. What is that? Notice once again, he says, above all things, my brethren, James is very deliberate in how he makes sure we are very clear on who he is addressing here. He is addressing the brethren, the saved brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're saved tonight, we can make application to our heart. The word of God is just as applicable as it was 2,000 years ago when James uh, was uh, used by God to pen this portion of scripture. And that portion of scripture is just as applicable for us tonight please don't make reference or distance yourself oh that was written to first century christians no my friends the situations are still as uh, uh, applicable today as they were then paul or excuse me i keep saying paul tonight james this evening teaches that a child of god ought to be different no matter what the burden is, no matter what is happening to us or in our lives, a child of God ought to think, talk, and do things differently than a flesh-driven, carnal world thinks, talks, and does. James reminds us to swear not what, by neither by heaven nor by earth, nor by any other oath. James reminds us not to swear or take an oath in the name of these things. And why is that? He's repeating what his half-brother, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, taught. Go back to the Sermon on the Mount. If you're not familiar where the Sermon on the Mount is, go to the book of Matthew, chapter 5, if you would. Jesus is teaching that infamous sermon there on, as we would say, on the mount there. And as the Bible teaches us that Jesus taught, 
those who were searching, looking for truth, those who were looking for the Messiah, some profound and incredibly simple truths. And one of the truths that Jesus taught that's very complex and yet very simplistic is found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 33. Look at it with me if you would please. Notice what Jesus says. Again, ye have heard that it hath been said of them, by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Years ago, I worked with a man named Harvey. Harvey worked in this company called AutoZone that I worked with for a number of years. My first year in Bible seminary, I was taking classes in the morning and then I would go to uh, school, or uh, excuse me, I would go to work after school, and I would work to earn the money to stay in school, and of course to pay for uh, the fees for the room and board, and of course uh, the tuition there as well. And one of the men that I grew to be friends with was a man named Harvey. Harvey ended up becoming an assistant manager working at the same store that I would work with, And Harvey was a very friendly man, dealing with customers and customer service. He had rapport among his customers as one being very outspoken, very friendly. You could talk to him. It seemed like any about anything. But there was one thing that Harvey was infamous for, and that is promising everything under the sun and hardly coming through with any of them. I remember often he would look and say, Justin, so help me. I'm going to bring this to work tomorrow, and we're going to look at whatever it was that he was going to bring to work tomorrow the next day. I said, okay, Harvey. And so the next day I get to work, I see his car come in, He comes up and I said, okay, Harvey, where is that item that we're going to look at? And he said, oh, I forgot it. I'm sorry. I'll bring it tomorrow. I promise I'm going to bring it tomorrow. Heaven help me. I'm going to bring it tomorrow. The next day comes, Harvey, where is that item? Oh, I forgot to bring it again. And on and on it would go. You get the idea. Anything in which he promised to do, you took with a little grain of salt. You took it with words of good intention, but you did not count on his promise. It was not something that you were anticipating it coming through. And when he did come through, everyone was amazed. Everyone was in awe. He actually did what he said he was going to do. And it was almost time to uh, bring out uh, 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 the pizzas and the balloons and the uh, 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 trumpets and make a huge party over the time in which Harvey actually did what he said he was going to do. 
Jesus is speaking of that very thing of swearing. I'm going to do it. Heaven help me. Or sometimes we say, so help me God. I promise I'm going to do this. I promise I'm going to do that. I promise I'm going to work on this. I promise that I'm going to care for this. And the time comes and nothing happens. No one comes. No one does what they committed to do. This is what Jesus is referring to. Of bringing God and bringing these things into an oath into a swearing of, yes, I'm going to be doing this. I am promised that I'm going to come through in this area. And then we break that oath. We break that promise. Jesus simply stated, say yes or no. If you said yes, do it. If you said no, carry on. It's as simple as that. You see, God intends for his children to be such men of our word that no oaths are necessary for things to be done. Years ago, when the Union Jack would fly upon a territory or a land of the British Empire, often that saying could be stated that the word or this was going to happen because why because it was the word of an englishman years ago it used to be stated that when an englishman said he was going to do something in which he said he was going to do it if he said he was not going to do it he would not do it it was as simple as that but what the englishman said you could count on that promise as true that has changed Sadly, not only has it changed in our society today, but it's also changed in the church. It's changed among Christians. We, brethren, need to make sure that we are truthful to our words, to our promise. We ought to be true to our word. James reminds us in that last verse or part of verse number 12, notice what it says, but let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Lest ye fall into judgment. Lest ye begin to be judged because of the lack of the promises in which one keeps. David Livingston learned that he could count on the word of God. One of the great promises that David Livingston loved as his favorite text was found in Matthew 28, 20, when Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Often David Livingston, in the midst of a trouble, in the midst of a tribulation, in the midst of a difficulty, would use that verse and say, it is the word of a gentleman of the strictest and most sacred honor, and that's an end of it. 
What was he saying? He said, God said he's going to be with me. He's going to be with me. I can go into the jungles of Africa. Why? Because God said he's going to be with me. I can go. God is going to be there. He's going to be with me every step of the way. I can continue on even when my wife dies. Why? Because God is with me. I can continue even though ministry is difficult, even, even though the, uh, living in Africa is difficult, even though there are diseases and struggles, I can carry on. Why? Because God said he's going to be with me and I count on his word. My friends, if we count on God's word in such a great statement of faith, ought we not be able to count on one another words? Ought we ought not to take that same truthfulness that God gives to us and impart that in our very own lives? When we commit to something, we ought to be committed to it. We don't like that word today, do we? Committed. No one wants to be committed today. Even a secular workplace doesn't want to be committed. I don't want to commit to you for a long time, so I'll sign a contract for just a month or three months. At the end of that, we'll come back and we'll look at it and maybe we'll extend that contract another year. Same thing can be done with a lease or a rental agreement on a home or on a car. And we look at all those things in which, yea, there's just a, almost a conditional time. In fact, there's that cooling off period that we look at so often here. Before making a big purchase, oh, do I have 14 days to think about it again? But wait a minute. Yet let your yea be yea and your nay nay. We ought to be true to our word. How important it is that we are true to the word in which we give. This is something all of us need to work on, all of us need to be reminded of, because it's so vital that we understand that a Christian's word should be our bond. You see, when people discover we are a child of God, our word is under scrutiny. Whether you like it or not, the very moment in which people find out that you are a child of God, people are going to be watching our speech very carefully. They're looking. You say you believe the truth. Do you speak the truth? Are you true to your word? James says, above all the burdens above all the unjustness that we endure at times. He said, be true to your word above all things. My first year in seminary, I had a man that worked in the same ministry as I. He was what we called a bus captain. What we would do is we would drive from a northwest part of Indiana, just on the edge of Illinois going into Chicago. And we would take buses, school buses, and we would rent those and we would go into Chicago and we would uh, uh, encourage families, 
children to come, of course, with permission and such, and we would bring them to church and we would have Sunday school and uh, different activities for them and just have a lot of fun getting people the gospel of Christ and teaching them and to grow as children of God. On one such occasion, the bus captain I had, his name was Josh, uh, we decided to have part in a ministry that was going to have a chapel ministry. We would go into some areas, some very poor areas, and we would uh, rent a small church to have a church service there, very close to the home of those whom they were living. We would bust them over. We would preach the gospel. We would have a baptistry set up for those who were who got saved and wanted to get baptized right away to get saved and baptized, just as it happened in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3 and 4 and 5 and so on we could go. All throughout the book of Acts you see that principle of people getting saved and baptized many times the same day. And so we were excited about this. We were looking forward to this day. We had done some work canvassing, letting people know, hey, there's a bus that's going to come by. We're going to have a church service nearby. We'll bus you there. We'll have some games. We'll do some, uh, have some fun prizes and such, and we'll come back, and uh, you'll enjoy just a wonderful afternoon in church. And we were excited about this. We had done the canvassing, and it came time to come and pick up the children. We started a little bit later because of some traffic uh, getting to that area. And as we started later, we started down a street and it seemed like it was slow starting. And we were uh, uh, having children come onto the bus and families were sending permission forms and such so that their children could ride. And it seemed like things were just delaying and delaying and delaying and delaying. And I remember John looking at me and I remember him stating Justin we've got to hurry he said we have these many streets I believe there's three or four streets left to pick up and he says we have got to get moving he says we've got to go he says Justin can you do this we've got about 15 minutes to pick up the next three streets of of children who are waiting can you do it I looked at him and said yes you yes I yes I can And I remember starting to run down those streets as fast as I could. My wife likes to run, but she couldn't hold a candle up to how fast I was running through those streets of Chicago. I was running as as fast as I possibly could, uh, going through. Uh, my, uh, Josh said I look like a, just a blur going down the street. That's how fast. Dash on The Incredibles uh, was almost as fast as I was on that time. I was just running from house to house and tell them the bus is coming. Get your permission forms ready. Get them signed if you don't have them signed already. Get ready for the bus. Here it comes. And would you believe it, in less than 15 minutes, not only did we fill one bus, but we filled another bus and the third bus finally. Finally, I about passed out uh, laying on the front seat with some children in behind it. God blessed in an incredible way, but I was willing to use and expend all the energy I had to be true to the word in which I had given. How often we need just to decide I want to be true to my word. It might cost me something. I might have to reschedule some things. But I said I was going to do it, and I will be true to my word. 
I said I was going to help in that way. I said I was going to pray. I said I was going to help study together with one, uh, uh, with someone, the word of God. I told him I was going to uh, uh, pray and fast with them. Be true to that word. Be true to what we state and do it. Oh, how important it is that we need to be true to our word. If you can't do it, say no. If you can do it and God leads it upon your heart to do it, then say yes. God tells us and James reminds us to be true to our word. The Bible teaches us an important principle in Proverbs chapter 22, verse number one. The Bible says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. A good name. May I ask you this morning, this evening, when people think of your name, do they think of someone who is going to be truthful to your word? Let that sink in for just a moment. Let's let the Holy Spirit do some reflection in our heart. We have little excuse today about failing to remember. Often I hear, oh, I forgot. Oh, I meant to do that. I've said the same thing. It's not a failure of forgetting. It's a failure of character to remind ourselves not to forget. Think about this. James wrote this in a time in which there was no smart devices. (laughs) He couldn't just call out the name of some assistant and say, hey, remind me to do this at this time. He couldn't just simply take out an electronic device and type down, okay, I've got to do this at this time or I've got to call this person at this time or I've got to pray for this person at this, on this day. He didn't, they didn't have any of those things. In fact, pen and pa- uh, uh, pencil and paper was actually scarce to come by. And James says, be true to your word. When you said to do it, do it. When you say you weren't going to do it, then carry on. Let it be simply yes or no. James is speaking of a time in which there wasn't the ease reminders that we have today. You see, when we say we have forgotten, it's actually an an exposition of not a forgetful mind but rather a lack of character that is willing to do the work to remind ourselves of what we promised to do james exposes that and say may we be true to our word may we as christians be counted worthy as truth speakers Let me ask you the question. We speak the word of God. It's true. But when we're speaking to one another, encouraging one another, trying to help one another, are we speaking truth? Do we have the character to back up our speech? 
If not, why don't we ask the Holy Spirit of God to help us in our character, to build us in our walk with Him. James, in the middle of this chapter, reminds us of the importance of being truthful and of staying true to our words. May I encourage you tonight that you and me be true to our word.